Good morning. Welcome to Elam's online service. Today's scripture lesson is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ by training, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverence and with silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray for your blessing over our service today uh, on this message, and I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. I pray that you would use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our foundational triad on the spiritual gifts, and we're going to be looking at two gifts that Jesus gave to the church, shepherds and pastors, or teachers. Uh, Some translations actually combine these gifts into one gift, the shepherd-teacher. Jesus was the greatest example of the shepherd-teacher. But many cult leaders that claim to have the gift of the shepherd-teacher have led the flock into poisonous pastures. Some examples of these wolves in sheep's clothing would be um, the Jehovah's Witnesses. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe that there is only one name that God must be called by, Jehovah, which is in direct contradiction to other names like Adonai in Scripture. They believe that Jesus was only a man during his incarnation. They believe that Jesus was only resurrected spiritually, not physically. They also believe that the second coming was an invisible event in 1914. And they believe that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force, not the third person of the Trinity. Also, when you consider ones like Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormons, They believe in the extra-biblical Book of Mormon and the Doctrine of the Covenants, and also the Pearl of Great Price. They uh, believe in what's called continual revelation. They also believe that the Trinity are separate gods. The Father was once a mortal who lived on the earth, but then died and is now in a glorified state, and that we have the potential to become gods as well, just as our spiritual Father God did. I could go on to talk about Christian Science or the Moonies, Worldwide Church of God, and numerous other heretical sects. And as we continue on these doctrines here, uh, we look at the lack of biblical basis, and it reveals to us the importance of the gift of the pastor-teacher. These individuals, the pastor-teacher, are concerned with questions like, what is true? Or how do I feed the flock? 
Um, are we operating in legalism or freedom, as well as many other doctrinal questions? And so first of all, we look at Jesus as the perfect shepherd teacher. The word pastor actually is derived from a Latin word that means shepherd. Jesus called himself the chief shepherd, and those who were to care for the flock uh, after his departure are under-shepherds. This is important to note because the shepherd owns the sheep, but the under-shepherd does not. The key passage of scripture that we want to look at here in regard to how Jesus shepherds us, and then in turn how the under-shepherd should consider leading uh, the sheep of God, is Psalm 23. Let's look for a bit at the habits of sheep and how Jesus tends them. And then we can apply this uh, these same principles to the modern pastor-teacher role. <clears throat> Whenever I hear Psalm 23, I think of some fluffy little sheep on the side of a picturesque hillside grazing peacefully while the Lord Jesus looks on with perhaps a shepherd's crook in his hand. There's a bubbling brook in the background and somewhere there might be even a harp playing music. <laughs> well, the only problem with that picture is that sheep are not prone to being peaceful animals. In fact, most sheep left to themselves wouldn't last long. The writer of Psalm 23, King David of Israel, is comparing himself to a sheep. Being a shepherd once himself, one would think that he would compare himself to something smarter and more regal, like a lion or perhaps an eagle. Because sheep are fairly low on the intelligence scale when it comes to the animal kingdom. They fall somewhere between a dodo bird and a jellyfish. Well, let's look at the different reasons here in Psalm 23 that David compares himself uh, to a sheep and then the Lord as the good shepherd. First, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. A strange phenomenon about sheep is that they do not have the ability to digest their food until they lie down. The problem is they don't have the sense to stop eating and lie down and so are made to do so by the shepherds at different times during the day. The shepherd stops them from grazing and huddles them together so that they will finally lay down. Humans are the same. They go on and on until they fall over in exhaustion. They keep trying to fill themselves with everything from entertainment to work in order to feel fulfilled. And one of the most frustrating parts of my job as the under-shepherd pastor is getting people to see the importance of setting aside time to lie down and digest what they've fed on. In modern America, weekly church attendance is at an all-time low. In fact, many people will place their job or even a child's sporting event over church attendance. Now, I can't make people come to church, but one thing the Lord does is allow difficult situations into the lives of people in order to teach them that they need him. And just as Israel, once we recover and things are going well, many times we're right back to our stubborn ways. David goes on here and he says, He leads me beside still waters. Sheep have an innate fear of moving water because if they ever fall into water, they usually drown. Their heavy coats of wool absorb all the water and they sink right to the bottom. And so the shepherd helps them to find those still waters. If he doesn't, they'll die of thirst, even if they're in sight of moving water. Jesus wants us to lie down beside his still waters. 
and these still waters are the refreshing gospel message of the scriptures. We are most unsettled when we are trying to find the work, uh, find and work for God's approval. And this is why as the under-shepherd who's preaching works salvation will have one miserable flock. David goes on here and he says, He restores my soul. Another thing about sheep is that they get lost very easily. They get so focused on that juicy little clump of uh, whatever they're eating right in front of them that they fail to realize that they are wandering away from the flock and heading in the opposite direction. Once they're lost, they have very weak vision, and this causes them to wander around aimlessly. And soon they find themselves feeding on poisonous plants and unhealthy water. The shepherd is there to make sure that the sheep don't wander off, but that they remain at the good pasture and the good water. As our good shepherd, Jesus is there to keep us from wandering away from his word and from his grace. He desires that we come to our final rest in one piece instead of wandering from place to place, feeding on the junk that the world has to offer us. He wants to restore us to the place that's closest to him. One thing that the shepherd will do to a wandering lamb is carry it on its shoulders for a period of time. And that way the lamb gets so used to being with the shepherd that it will not stray far after that. As under-shepherds, we are continually trying to convince people that the way of the Lord is the best way for them. And the weird thing about it is that we don't even have the... The weird thing about that is that it, though I am an under-shepherd in Jesus' flock, I am at the same time a sheep. And that's why the council here, the leadership, is so important that they can shepherd the shepherd as well. David goes on and says, He leads me in paths of righteousness... For his name's sake. Sheep are notorious for following the crowd. They don't have much ambition of their own, and so they just figure, well, that sheep in front of them is leading them into good things. And even though it may be wandering into danger, they'll follow it uh, without asking any questions, thinking, well, they must know where the food is. Well, the shepherd is there to lead them to places that will actually benefit them. The shepherd spends so much time with the sheep that they begin to distrust the robber that would try to lead them away into a different direction and steal them. There will be many out there that will try to get you to follow them. In the same way, Jesus desires to lead us away from those that would harm us, but we need to spend time with him in order to be able to distinguish between his voice and that of the robber or Satan. We learn his voice by reading God's word, the Bible, and by going to church where scriptures are continually uh, central and are centered in the preaching. As the under-shepherd teacher, it is, it is important to have a thorough understanding of the doctrines of scripture. This is why I believe that no one should pastor without going through thorough training in seminary. Not that seminary gives you everything that you need for pastoral ministry, but sitting under the instruction of former pastors for four years has been invaluable for me in my work here at Elam. David goes on and says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sheep are one of the easiest animals for predators to kill and devour. They don't have the ability to fight back, and instead they just huddle together um, or even scatter when the wolf attacks, and then they become easy pickings uh, for the predators. The shepherd is there to strike the wolf with his staff, 
and with his sling. King David knows about this. He killed a lion and a bear with his sling to protect his sheep. We are helpless against the attack of the enemy, the devil, who scripture states is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His only mission is to steal, kill, and destroy the precious thing that is uh, God's children, the children that he made in his image. And so we need the protection of our shepherd. It's only by the Holy Spirit and by his word that we can resist that old serpent. As a pastor, one of my main concerns is in regard to the spiritual gifts and the weapons of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we need to fight, fight with the weapons of the Spirit, and these include the Word of God, faith, confidence in our salvation, truth, and sharing the gospel with others. David continues, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. At the end of this psalm here, David begins to give thanks for the way in which God has been a shepherd to him. David fought many battles, and yet the Lord was there with him in the midst of each one. And that table that God prepares for us in the midst of our uh, enemies is the goodness and mercy of God. The Lord was there to give him victory and comfort, even when fighting Goliath, even as Saul was pursuing him. <clears throat> even when all of his men turned against him at the cave of Adullam. The anointing with oil refers back to the time when God chose David to be king over all his brothers, even though he was the youngest. It speaks of God's unmerited favor and his blessing. Because the Middle East is so dry, oil is very uh, important. It brings healing, brings comfort to the skin and healing for wounds. And not only does God bless David, but he blesses him in a way that's more than enough. His cup is not just full, it's overflowing. He has enough to give away to others. I've seen some pretty joyless churches in my time as a Christian, and that's because the congregation was not eating from the table of the Lord and drinking from his overflowing cup. They were feeding on pop psychology. These messages may be fine for a self-help motivational seminar with Tony Robbins, but they have no place in the house of the Lord. The problem is that just like kids, we would rather eat candy all day than vegetables, and so we can enjoy these hollow calories from the talk show gospel. It tells us that we're not that bad, actually good people deep down, but pastors need to preach and teach on sin, no matter how uneasy it makes the congregation. It's only in this way that we will become aware of our need for the anointing of the Lord. David finally ends up here saying, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David here now looks at eternity, and through all the trials of life and the battles he's fought, he recognizes God's goodness and mercy in it all. And not only that, David has the assurance that the Lord promises him eternal life after his life is finished here. We know that David was far from perfect. He was one of those uh, that the Bible talks about, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone has turned to his own way. He was an adulterer, a murderer, in short, a sinner. But his heart was soft toward the good shepherd. He was quick to confess his sins and return to the fold. Eternity, eternity is my number one concern for each of you here this morning. 
I could spend my whole life trying to get you cleaned up to look like a nice churchgoer. But if you don't make it to the pearly gates, it was all for nothing. Brothers and sisters, we have a chance to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a privilege that I've been given as one of those who has a job of being an under-shepherd, to lead and guide and direct. So don't be stubborn, but get moving. <laughs> in conclusion this morning, did you ever get a gift that you wish that you could have returned, but the store wouldn't take it back? I have. It's kind of frustrating. Sometimes we feel that way about people that God has placed in our lives as gifts. When we look at Jesus in the manger, he probably didn't look like a great gift to somebody just passing by that night. That is until you look at the thousands of angels that suddenly appear and declare how wonderful God's love is toward mankind. Jesus loves us so much that he did not want us to struggle on in powerlessness. And that's why he gave us gifted individuals to accomplish what he has in store for us until he returns in glory. And so with that, we say thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given us in the form of men and women. And we wait for your return as the chief shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of the pastor teacher. I pray that you would equip me and help me to be uh, a better teacher, a better shepherd of your flock. I pray that you would raise up more pastors in the church and ones who would love you as the chief shepherd, Lord. I pray for this flock uh, called Elam, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.